Welcome to Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston. Here's where I get to talk to amazing people from all over the world who are making a positive impact and discuss topics in every single area of life. The sky's the limit. Some might be a little controversial, but eh, we don't shy away from them because everyone I speak to is coming from a good space. So it's an opportunity to learn a lot and expand your mind. Okay. Now, I know people, you've been hearing me tell you for the past few days, I'm so excited about Lauren Brody, and I can't wait to introduce you to her, but let's give you a little bit about her background first. Where was she when I needed her? Lauren is the founder of the Fifth Trimester Movement. I like movement. And the author of the Fifth Trimester, The Working Mom's Guide to Style, Sanity, and Big Success After Baby. All right, check this out. It's like she calls it the double day. Her book was a number one bestseller. I need your tricks, Lauren. In Amazon categories of motherhood, women in business, and cultural anthropology. Ooh, I have to ask about that. Her work has been featured on dozens of outlets for business leaders and mothers. Prior to launching, oh, I like this one, T5T, Lauren had a 16-year career in magazine publishing. Raised in Ohio, Texas, and Georgia, she now lives, oh, I love this city, New York City, with her husband and two young sons. Lauren, thank you so much for taking the time. I'm like, I'm like, my head is exploding that you're here. <laughs> I love your energy. Thanks. Andy. Sorry. I love, I love this topic. And I'm just really upset at you that you didn't introduce yourself to me, you know, 15 years ago. Where were you? Oh my God. Where was I 15 years ago? I was, I was at Glamour Magazine. I was just starting my career there and, and working my tail off. And kids were still kind of a glimmer in the future for me at that point. But I wish... I wish I knew then what I know now. Oh, no, don't say that. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we all do, right? But um, right. It's, uh, I, yeah. I wrote the book um, that I needed, you know, back back then um, and that I wish I had had. Amen, sister. Isn't that, you know, I tell everybody, you know, because the same thing, you know, with me and my book and they're like, I spent six years on mine and they said, why? I go, because I needed it. And that's where the biggest successes are, right? Because if you know everything that you want in life, if it's not there and you produce it, it's going to be a success, right? Right. Because you're helping yourself and then you're helping others. Right. So, all right, let's start at the beginning, Lauren. So here you are and you're entering the college days. What did you think you were going to do with your life? Oh my gosh. Um, Well... I actually, so I grew up um, uh, in a family where my mom and dad both worked in the newspaper industry. So there was a lot of respect for journalism um, in our home. And uh, really, they regarded it as a public service. And so I I do too. So I think there was always, and I loved Yeah creative writing major. And I met my husband in, in class. Cause he was, you know, the best, the best writer. You know? and, was, he? Uh, was he? Yeah, he really was. So I actually, but I okay. entered college pre-med, um, bombed out of biology and, uh, and then pretty quickly realized I shouldn't fight my own nature and I should do what I love, which is, which is writing. And I did a lot of, um, um, theater in college too. And I actually really loved the production side of it. And it's funny cause a lot of what I do now running my own business, really still draws on some of those production meetings that I had at midnight in college, getting people to all align with the same goals and be creative. And, um, 
so all of that has, you know, led to my now kind of 2.0 career. <laughs> I, love, I love that you call it that. So I have a question for you. So you're sitting there and you, I love the fact that you met your husband and he was the best writer and everything. But when you were like, just like thinking of, all right, let's, let's just back up a second. Like, where do you see yourself in three to five years? Did you even think of that? You know, I think I always knew I had a book in me, but I felt like it needed to do some kind of good in the world, which is a really a hard, a hard thing to start on page one, you know, with the goal of in mind. Um, and I didn't really have enough life experience yet. And I, I needed to pretty privileged upbringing to be totally candid. And I kind of needed to. I love that you said that. <laughs> oh, sure. I mean, I'm happy to admit it. I was lucky, but I needed to struggle through something and, and early motherhood just threw me on my tush. Can I curse? I don't know if I can curse. <laughs> yeah, uh, we've said the F word on here. So you okay, can say whatever you want. Totally threw me on my ass. I'm the oldest of four kids. I had babysat my whole life. I had moved up the, the ladder in magazines, you know, like every year and a half, like clockwork, I was going for a promotion. And, and then I had a kid and motherhood was just not what I expected. I loved my baby. I didn't love who I saw when I looked in the mirror um, at myself. And I felt very as supported as I was in many ways. And I was lucky to have that support. I felt very ill-prepared. So I really wanted to, I saw that um, there's a book called um, Harvey Karp's Happiest Baby on the Block, which is a real bestseller for new parents that explains this idea of the fourth trimester, which is that- Ah babies are born actually three months too early because of the size of the pelvis and the head. And so you recreate the feeling of the womb to, to soothe a cranky baby. Fine. That was awesome. It was great to know it. It really helped me a lot. But all through the book, you know, Dr. Carp, who's wonderful in his wisdom, would say, just get to 12 weeks, get to 12 weeks and your baby will wake up to the world and start to get on something of a schedule and you'll start to feel like yourself again. And I thought, well, crap, that's exactly when I go back to work. And it was. And so my whole life, I've just been a very, I'm an open book and I, you can see everything I'm feeling written all over my face. I have to just, just go with that. And so yep. I was yep. lucky to be in, in a leadership position enough. I mean, I wasn't like the boss boss, but I was like the number two boss enough to be a little more open and transparent than many other women at that time would have been comfortable being in the workplace. And lo and behold, I found out that actually showing some of the challenges of new motherhood changed my workplace for the better. And let me lead in a way that felt really honest. It helped me redefine who I was, what success looked like. Success was no longer just about FaceTime and hours and being the girl who worked the hardest. It was about being the woman who worked the smartest and who inspired other people and who mentored. And so I took all of that together and I realized, hey, this really hard transition I went through really is just a whole other developmental trimester. I'm going to call it the fifth trimester. I trademarked the thing. I I love it. I freaking love it. Thanks. I did a ton of research. I decided to survey hundreds and hundreds of other women who had different approaches than I did to motherhood. So there were, and to career. So there were part-time workers, there were hourly wage workers, there were, you know, CEOs and executives who worked for themselves. And there were single moms and adoptive moms. And I wanted to collate all of our data and really look at what do we have in common? How can we help each other? What do we have to learn the Mm -hmm. hard way, even across industries and, you know, economic strata and figure out, you know, okay, women, we're all in this together. Our, our culture does not support us nearly as well as other cultures around the world. 
how can we make things better? Given that all these women are having to go back to work before they're physically and emotionally really ready to be there. That was the general consensus. Yeah. How do you get through it in a way that helps you affect change in your workplace and change our culture for the better to be more supportive? So I I can't even tell you how I am so happy and proud that you are doing this because, you know, I, I own my own company and it is a challenge of what to do, you know, with the people when they come back to work and the right thing. Like you said, a lot of us have great intentions, but we don't know how to handle it. And I, and I love that you said that because I was thinking of me when I came back, I came back, I think it was maybe even after eight weeks and they had to adjust to me breastfeeding. I don't know if anybody does that during corporate meetings and business meetings. Sure. And I just covered the blanket and they're like, well, that's Weston. Well, you educated them by doing that. You did a huge Oh, I did? I thought I I shocked them and scarred them for life. (laughs) If it shocked them, that is fine. I guarantee you it did not scar them. If anything, (laughs) built built their empathy muscles and helped them probably – there's probably so many people who have gone on to be more empathetic toward mothers who are trying to do everything all at once because of that. You really – you deserve credit for that, especially, you know, especially those years ago. It, it was. It was 15 years ago. So, yeah. you know, That's a big I thought I was crazy. What you, said, what you said about owning your own business, I do want to make clear that, you know, it sounds it, – it, it's almost impossible for small businesses to have to shoulder the financial burden of this. And I really do believe that, you know, if we all go back to work and, and really – ask for what we need in the workplace and make cultural change that, that this will ultimately impact change on a federal level, which is what it should be. We should yeah. all yeah. really. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. Cause it is difficult. It should. And what it is, is that, you know, I, I believe that the best, the best plans that I've seen to make this work actually end up costing not that much, but everyone pays into it because are we all human beings? Were we all babies once? Yes. Um, so, you know, New York now has New York state has New York paid family leave. California has had it for a while. A couple of other States have it as well. And at least in New York, what it looks like is it is a, um, it's rolling out over several years, but what you pay into it, like what I pay into it and what my, my babysitter pays into it is something like a dollar 50 a week, um, to ultimately be able to give women families, I should say women and men the, yeah, 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 yeah. To be able to recover. A dollar fifty. A dollar fifty. It's like a dollar fifty one. I think. Yeah. You realize what my coffee costs, right? <laughs> right. Uh, me too. With almond milk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my new thing is oat milk. I love oat milk. Oh, is that good? Oh my god, uh, it's amazing, and it's higher in protein, and I love it. And matter of fact, hard to find in Philly, but every time I come to New York City, they got it going on. Not at the big chains, but the non chains. So check it out. I will. I will. All right. So I have so many things that I want to ask you because I want to make sure that the listeners get a lot of great tips for you. But one thing that I really, really want to start because they'll kill me. I always ask people, what do you want me to ask Lauren? And the number one thing the ladies want to hear about, give me the 60 second beauty tip when you look Ah. like a piece of crap. I'm sorry. Let's just go there, Lauren, because even if you don't have babies, I've been getting up five thirty in the morning, going to bed at one for a lot of meetings. And I'm like, what am I going to do with my face? You need, you need that like quick, get out of the house plan that helps you feel like yourself and feel good. Even when like the shit hits the fan in the morning and everything goes wrong, you know, the baby throws up over the outfit, the nanny calls it sick, whatever, whatever the circumstances are, 
you you still want to leave the house looking and feeling like yourself. And I have to tell you, so the, uh-huh. place where I, the place I worked the longest was at Glamour Magazine, where I, for different years, oversaw the beauty and the fashion pages. And when I made this leap to go write this book and do my and have my own company, um, I I was a little hesitant to dip back into that fashion and beauty world because it felt like I wanted to do something more meaningful. Well, joke's on me because actually what the research all shows when you look at the science of it is that the way we feel about the way we look absolutely impacts, you know, the quality of the, you know, the work that you do, of how people see you, the first impression that you make. And it really does impact our confidence. So I was like, okay, knowing that I'm just going to go straight into it. So here's how you do. And you're, it does, it does. Like, how can it not? That's what people see first. Right. And there's no, there's no shame in that, you know, um, this is, this is, these are all the facets of who, what make us who we are. Right. And so, so the 60 second thing is really, really simple. You just want to have, you want to put moisturizer on your face. Then you want to put on, um, let me think about how actually, actually the order that I did in the book. Well, don't give us all your secrets, just a couple. They have to buy the book. You hear that people supporter. But I actually did it. So I, um, I was on good morning America and they, I think they didn't end up showing this piece of it, but they actually did it with me with a timer to see if I could do it in my own bathroom. <gasps> I, I totally- Shut up. Oh, I got to pull that up. So it's um, so it's moisturizer, and then you want to dot concealer um, under your eyes and in the corner of your eyes, and maybe at the corner of your um, of your nostrils and wherever else, wherever you have a blemish that, you, that needs covering up. You're not yep. going to use foundation. Yep. Um, if you wa- if you are the sort of person who needs foundation, instead of moisturizer, you might use like a BB cream or a CC cream or something that has a little bit of pigment in it. Um, but so you do the concealer, Ooh. and you actually don't blend it yet. You let it sort of sit there while you're doing your eyes. So then for your eyes, you can just do a quick eyeliner, swipe a mascara, um, then go back, blend in with, you know, your with your finger, pat, pat, pat the concealer, put on a little blush, and then a swipe of lip gloss, and you're done. That's it. It's It sounds like a lot of steps, but they're very quick steps that can be done um, with tools and with makeup that's like kind of multitasking makeup. So you can use yeah. NARS. Yeah. NARS makes this awesome um, color stick that you can use on your lips, on your eyes, on your cheeks. Um, and it actually gives a really, a really natural look to actually, to use the same color in a couple different places. No, you know what? And that I'm, I, I don't wear makeup most of the time because of what I do. Like I'm teaching classes and I'm doing a presentation, but they're like saying, you got to put something on. And then my sister said, screw it because it takes me forever. Cause I'm not good at it. She's like, you can't spend 35 minutes putting on your makeup. So, oh God, no. so I'm going to, no. I don't even know how, cause I'm not good at mascara all these years because I'm not used to putting on makeup. So I'm going to try this. I guess I'll like, it'll get easier. Maybe I'll do it for like a week and see how it works out. Well, can I tell you about something else that's a little bit, it's in a different section of the book. It's actually in the style section, but it's what I call the generous minimum. So it is like, I know that I don't really like to leave the house unless I have on concealer and blush. Like I can go without the eye makeup, but like, I just don't feel like I look like myself until I've got that. And whatever, there's an emergency. Of course I'll go makeup free. I don't care. That is my, that is my minimum. But what I suggest doing in times of transition, in times when you may have some self doubt is do the generous minimum, which is do the minimum plus one more thing. Maybe it's, you put on a pair of earrings. Maybe it's that you, you know, wear your lucky bracelet, whatever it is, do your minimum and do one more thing. Cause that one more thing takes about five seconds, right? It takes no time. And yet the impact it has on you is you feel like, Hey, I'm the 
person who could go one step beyond my minimum. Like I must be doing pretty okay. You just gave me a great idea. It's so, really in your so, head. Yeah. I mean, you're right. But you know what? I'm thinking this is funny. So how we met is because my book and I want to support authors. So my book is Train Your Head and Your Body Will Follow. So it's a positive mindset book using fitness as a vehicle. But the title is All It Takes Is One to Three Minutes a Day to change your body, your life in a positive way. So I have a second one coming out soon. I'm going to, can I refer like them to yours? Because you fit my philosophy. Oh, I'd be so honored. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, this is amazing because I'm thinking, wait a minute. I think you can change your body and your mental thing, but I don't think you can do the style and self-care. And now you are giving me all these great ideas. Oh, and self-care. Oh my gosh. I mean, self-care was the thing. When I surveyed all these women, this is, this is a depressing statistic and yet it is the reality. And so it's it's what, what we sort of tried to work around. Um, so these women reported that they spent in their first three months at work, back at work after having a baby, they spent on average one or less hours per week doing something just for themselves. Yeah, I know. Which is really brutal. But what it does is it makes, it made me as somebody trying to kind of offer solutions pulled from other people's experiences is not to say, oh, I'm going to go find you three extra hours to go get a massage this week, new mom. No, you know, if you had those three hours, you're probably not going to spend it. <laughs> probably not. Maybe you are. And if you are fantastic and I'm happy for you, but that wasn't how I felt in that. Yes, moment. I agree. It is largely what you're talking about, about retraining your brain. It's about seeing, finding those little found moments that seem like they're throwaway, but actually you can use for self-care. And one of them that came up just immediately was the, was people's commute. Because they would say, on average, they said that their commute got 50% more stressful. And for me, riding the New York subway, which is not what, you know, not exactly the same as driving in your own car someplace. But I remember that feeling of I'm lugging the breast milk home. I'm like, you know, like hanging onto the bar under some oh. sweaty armpit. It's just a miserable feeling. And I'm trying to get home in time to relieve my caregiver who needs to go home to her family, by the way. Yeah. Or maybe you're trying to get to a daycare where you're charged by the minute for every minute you're late. And, um, and so if you can use instead, take that time and reclaim it, you're in between two places. You're not at work having to do work. You're not at home having to care for, for baby, family, whatever. Use that little bit of time, even if you were under some sweaty man's armpit for self-care. And the easiest, most efficient way to do that, and this is what I learned from the mental health experts who I interviewed, is to soothe one of your senses. That is the thing that gives you the most immediate flood of good good chemicals in your brain to make you feel better fast and efficiently. So that may be that, you know, touch. Like maybe you have like a little, like I have a little worry rock sometimes that I'll keep in my in my pocket. There's that. Or maybe you smell and you carry with you, you know, some just soothing smelling lotion and you put it on your hands anytime you're about to, you know, to go on your commute. And it's just your little self-care thing you do for yourself. It might be eating a piece of chocolate and like, yes, I'm going to be the woman who tells you, hey, go get a piece of chocolate. It'll be- oh, I, I'm agreeing with you, girl. Does. It re- and then again, it's not just that it's not just that you did the thing. It's that you're the kind of person who thought ahead and planned to do this nice thing for herself. Yes. Feedback loop of making you feel good. Uh, you know what? You're giving me so many ideas. We're going to have to talk later, but I'm such a big component of that. Like even you said, um, well, I talk, teach people the one minute meditation breathing thing that you can do when you're having road rage or in commute. So it's pretty funny, but I do 
love the essential oil thing. It does matter. Yeah. Like just smelling it and putting it on brings you to a whole different place. And it doesn't have to be time consuming, like you said. So let me ask you this one, because I'm really curious about, you know, you said you interviewed 800 women. Was there, oh, I hate saying this word, but I have to. Was there a lot of guilt going on that if you allow, I can't even say this, I can't even say this, that if you took time for yourself, you were a bad mom? Well, here's here's what was so interesting about guilt. So I, um, one thing that I did is I actually had all of my interviews transcribed. And it was it was an expense, but it was such it was money very well spent. Okay, I okay. was able to see the words on the page, and I was able to see that the word guilt was in almost every single person's. <gasps> everybody mentioned it, but like I said, it was a pretty diverse array of new moms. So they had all kinds of different factors, you know, working for and against them, and yet everybody talked about guilt. And I was like, well, that's interesting. And so I went back and I looked at the context for what they were talking about. And for some moms, guilt was, I feel guilty leaving my baby in the arms of someone who is maybe not as capable as I would be at home with her right now. And for other moms, guilt was, I feel guilty because I'm sitting at my workplace and I'm drinking a hot cup of coffee and I'm able to pee when I want to. And I kind of like it better than... (laughs) And I feel really guilty about that. So... But in, and there was, you know, and everything in between. And so what I was able to see pretty quickly is that guilt actually meant like, you know, dozens of different things to different people. And yet it was this automatic that we were all saying, oh, I feel mommy guilt, I feel mommy guilt, I feel mommy guilt. And it might just be that my son, you know, was starting to learn about common denominators in school. But I was like, aha, if this is a common denominator, what if we just scratch it out? And what if we actually tend to what the actual dilemma or the feeling or the, the you know tough compromise that is to be made? What if we actually deal with that? Because I think that mom guilt is is somewhat sexist. Um, you don't really hear people talk about dad guilt so much, although I would nope. welcome that conversation. And I'm sure there are dads who experience yeah. guilt yeah. as well. But, but not as much. If it's something we're all feeling, then I don't really buy that it's something we're doing wrong because guilt implies you've made a wrong choice. You've done something wrong. You know, you're guilty to go to jail. Well, if we're all feeling guilty, there is no other better, less guilty mom to aspire to be like who made a better choice than you did. So just, just write it off, you know, and, and let's, you know, deal with the problems in front of us, realize it is okay to feel imbalanced Imbalance should not be measured in hour long intervals or even week long intervals. You might have a month where you lean way one direction and that's okay. Cause the pendulum yeah. is yeah. back the other way. Um, and to really figure out, you know, how do you assess, you know, when your life feels imbalanced enough, is that in three month intervals in year long intervals, whatever works for you, um, ultimately works for your kid. Yeah. You know, I'm so glad you said that because I have some friends who remain anonymous that I love to death and they're my heroes because I have like three or four friends that are fortunate, you know, they uh, don't work and they have great lifestyles and, you know, they have three and four kids and they spend a lot of time themselves. Like, you know, they'll go to yoga retreats, they'll take classes, they go out to dinner all the time. They'll have a you know babysitter or a nanny, and they're amazing, amazing moms. And I think I could never do that. I would feel so bad. And yet I go, I want to be like you, but maybe I'm not going to get there in this lifetime. You know, maybe next lifetime. 
you know, because they don't have that guilt. Like I want to study that. You know yourself. Maybe you know that that's not actually, I never talk about, you know, are you a happy mom? Well, happiness is, you know, it's, it's almost a, it's a carrot that we all chase. And I think the, I think the better vegetable to chase is satisfaction. And I think, you know, it's really not about getting super happy. It's about, you know, is this slightly imbalanced life satisfying for me? Do I feel like I've had the agency to make the choices that I want to make? And I have to tell you, like, if I could go right now and go do one thing for myself, it probably wouldn't be a massage, you know, like it probably wouldn't be going to a yoga retreat. I would actually rather take my kids on vacation and have a harried kid vacation where I'm up at 7 a.m. than go spend 40 minutes on myself. That's right. You're right. That's what I would rather do. And it's okay to know that about yourself. You're right. So there's a million ways to parent. You're right. You know, and you just look at it differently, right? It doesn't mean you're a bad mom or a good mom. It's what works for you. And you can tell when it works for someone, can't you? Yes. And you have to realize that it is, my gosh, it is a privilege just to be able to have the agency to make those choices. And there are so many people who don't have that. You know, there's 25% of American women go back to work within two weeks of having a baby. I know. I interviewed some women who own their own companies who are happy to be there, who wanted to be there. And I applaud them. Great. Yep. Yep. You're right. But the majority of those women who are having to do that physically needed more time for recovery, emotionally would have liked more time for recovery, would have liked to have spent more time bonding with their baby, but they have to be there. So there's, there's so many things, you know, that we, we feel guilty about and we think like, oh, I'm not doing this well enough. I'm not, you know, I should try harder at this or that. I made the wrong choice. Well, if you even had a choice, like, please appreciate the fact that, you know, you had a choice and own the decision that you made. You know what? I thank you for saying that. I mean, it's easy to say don't feel guilty, but I think we as women have to support other women and other moms and remind ourselves of that. I think it makes it a lot easier when you surround yourself, you know, with like-minded people that can lift you up and you know, and when you're having those bummy days, right? Exactly, yeah. So, okay, we're, I want to make sure we get this in because I think this is really fun and I know we only have a little bit here left, but tell me about press pumping on the plane. Oh, sure. So <laughs> I want to hear about this because I know I had so it's many evolved. problems it's trying to figure out where the pop. Right. So, okay. So first of all, you should pr- travel with, you know, not just your plug, but also backup batteries because some planes do, and you, and you can look up the model plane you're going to be on, but who knows? You may have an aircraft change. Some have plugs, some don't have plugs for you to plug into. That's um, true. That's, that's true. one thing. If you can, it's most people find that they have the most privacy in the most room if they're in a window seat. Again, I say pump while you're walking down the street for all I care. Like, I, <laughs> I think it's, it's the next frontier, you know, the way we felt 10 years ago, <sighs> breastfeeding in public, people are starting to pump um, more openly. There's actually these new pumps that um, go inside your bra that you can wear while you are in a meeting, say. Huh? It's they're pretty amazing. They collect the um, they collect the milk in like a little kind of shell shaped cup that goes around your breast and collects it, you know, in a tube that's hidden underneath your clothes. So it is kind of the next frontier. But so on a plane, try to get the window seat. Really enlist the um, the flight attendant to help you know to help you if you need to. Make sure you drink enough water. Bring your um, bring your hand sanitizer. 
do not feel like you need to go into the bathroom. I mean, if that's what makes you feel better, okay, fine. I want you to be able to make the choice you want to make. But, you know, have if, if you need privacy, put a cover over you. Planes are blessedly loud. Probably nobody's even going to hear it. Um, and if you need to switch seats because you don't like, you know, sort of I got it. I got next it. to you, ask. All yeah. you got to do is ask. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good point. Well, Lauren, listen, I could sit here and talk to you for hours. But before we wrap it up, is there anything that we did not chat about that you want to tell our people? Um, oh, gosh. Like, maybe we should talk about when you were a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can leave you with one more tip that seems to go over well. I do a lot of, um, I do a lot of corporate speaking, and I do a lot of corporate coaching. And so I'll oh, go cool. into companies oh, cool. and help them make not just better policies, but truly better workplace culture. Because there's a lot of places that have good policies on paper, and yet they're still having a retention problem. And it's so funny because I told you that like, I I kind of, I'm much more interested myself in the research around, you know, social psychology and policymaking. And yet the thing that goes over so well in these talks is the style stuff. The easiest tip in the morning, just just to make your mornings go faster, make a little closet within your closet is what I call it. If you're ever in a transitional phase of life, whether you are let's say an author who just wrote a book in yoga pants for a year and now you have to go put on dresses every day and give a talk. (laughs) Let's just say, um, or if you are going back to work after, you know, having been home on maternity leave, your clothes don't quite fit yet. The stuff that you last wore is like there were real clothes, not maternity clothes was more than a year ago. Make a little tiny closet within your closet of just the things that fit and are appropriate. That may be, five items of clothing. But if you look at those yep. five items and you see, oh gosh, look at that. I don't have a single pair of pants. Well, that tells you, go out and buy yourself a pair of pants. They don't have to be expensive, but something to temporarily fill in that little closet. Now in the morning when you get dressed, shop exclusively just from that little closet. Don't worry about everything else around you that might stress you out and mock you for not fitting into it yet or feel like, you know, something you shouldn't have spent money on or is that even in style anymore? No, you're only choosing from this miniature closet. As things, as the seasons change, as things start to fit from that extra stuff that you're not looking at, pull them back in one at a time and continue to just shop from that little closet every morning because the last thing you need is to start your day not feeling great about yourself. Um, so no, I agree. Things there that make you feel good. You know what, Lauren? That's a great tip, even for women who didn't just have a baby, who are you know, you know, trying to you know lose weight or have a weight transition, to have that just one area that they can feel good about. Versus what I hear, I never even thought of this, so I'm going to take this tip to them um, that they're trying to get in clothes they can't fit in. You know, so anybody can do this. Right. And a lot of people say, pick out your clothes the night before. Sure. If that works for you, great. If I ever do that, I have to say, I'll pick out an outfit and then I'll have a backup outfit in mind too. Because sometimes the thing you chose just doesn't feel right the next morning, you know? So listen, Lauren, thank you so much for spending the time with us. It's been so much fun and we can chat a little bit when we, we hang up, but I know every person out there is going to benefit from your tips. And it's been so inspiring. Thank you so much for having me on and for the work that you do. All right, Lauren. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Remember, keep highlighting the positive and let's keep it real.